Elance and Shelly Schmalz is a performance enthusiast who's made it her mission to inspire, inform, and elevate age acceptance. Schmalz uses social media to promote burlesque experiences, dancers, circus acts, comedians, and artists, and has created an online space for people over 40 to express themselves sensually and showcase their talent and flair. Check out Shelly on Instagram at hashtag older and bolder. I just want to say thank you for coming on to the Girls on Film podcast. And um, this is the first time that I'm working with this co-host, my lovely, lovely friend, Stacy Reese, who is a genius, smart, smart lady. <laughs> Hi, Stacey. <laughs> Take the compliment. But the first time we've co-hosted together. And happy that you have agreed to be with us. Absolutely. I'm excited to join in the conversation for sure. Yeah. And I know Stacy's going to be first up at bat with some questions, but we, I definitely want you to kind of teach us a little bit about what you do because I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, um, well, I do a lot of different things. Um, and I think in the world of, well, and I think what's very interesting is that I've been able to combine a lot of the things that I do together. Um, I'm kind of like a jack of all trades at heart when it comes to the things that I love to do and I like to do. So for me, um, creativity is a huge passion of mine. And, you know, as someone who loves to be creative, but isn't very talented sometimes in the worlds of different things that are creative, like, I love art, but I'm not somebody who's very good at drawing or making art. I love to dance, although I can't remember choreography. Um, I, When it comes to singing, I am a performance artist at best, but can't hold a note. So my talent has been able to kind of bring these things together as a producer and really work with the talented people who know how to do these things and how to elevate and be a connector and really bring different projects of connecting the dots to make things creative and immersive and fun to life. And so I've been able to do that in all different mediums. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking today also is because I've been able to do it through film. Um, but some of the areas that I've worked in are burlesque and comedy and visual art and music and film and drag and, you know, wonderful ways to bring ideas and people together as a community. So that's really kind of where my heart and my love is at. All right. Well, I think the podcast is over. <laughs> no, I got stories, though. I got stories. <laughs> you gave us a good overview. And, and take it away, Stacy. The Georgia State Capitol at a press conference for female candidates. And then I came home and I fell down a rabbit hole of cabaret and burlesque. 
And I, first of all, I didn't know really what it was. I mean, I, I knew kind of what it was, but I didn't know like historically what it was. And I have just become uh, fascinated with all that you're doing. And I've been watching your Instagram interviews and all the people that you bring together, you know, as a, as a community uh, leader and community organizer in, in the sense that, uh, that you, you you seem to understand how everybody fits into the whole. You know, it's like and, you know. I, th- I always saw that the community of creatives was so competitive, and you you know the trying to trying to you know box each other out, and you seem to bring everybody in, regardless of their foibles or their shortcomings or their phobias. You bring them all together. So, could you tell us a little bit about what? What is the meaning of uh, the the burlesque cabaret community in Atlanta, and 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 how? What does it mean to you? Um, I mean, there is just so much wonderful community when it comes to the burlesque community, and you know, and I kind of look at there's a couple of um, communities that are adjacent here in Atlanta. You've got the burlesque community, the drag community, the the circus community. And um, the circuit, you know, I guess like the the aerialist community. And I think all of those different art forms kind of interchange and, um, you know, work together in a lot of ways. I think you'll see a lot of crossover in shows where in burlesque shows, you'll see drag artists and drag performers as well as cabaret. You'll see um, burlesque performers in there. Um, in aerial in aerialist shows, you'll see um, you'll see a lot of cabaret and burlesque. So everybody's kind of working together because we really do, at the heart of it, all have the same goals of loving to perform and wanting to be seen, and and you know, and also being able to make a living off of being creative. And the only way you can really do that is if you support each other and lift everybody up. And definitely, I think there's probably been times and as there is in every type of creative community um, where things may seem that they might be competitive, but that's really kind of coming out of a place of fear. Because if you really think about it, there's enough for everybody. There's enough for everybody to grow. There's enough for everybody to be seen. And, you know, looking, actually taking a step backwards and seeing where burlesque came from in the 1850s out of England, it was really burlesque was like a low, lowbrow art form that was created to be a mockery of society. So burlesque wasn't in the beginning about peeling or um, stripping or, um, you know, the it was more about the art of um, being a parody and telling a story and kind of mocking what was going on in high society. So burlesque was for the masses. Burlesque was to be enjoyed by everybody. And so, you know, we see this parlay throughout the years where it was, you know, burlesque has been considered scandalous. Burlesque mm-hmm. has been considered, you know, um, as vaudeville grew from, you know, you've got the you've got the vaudeville, um, the Ziegfeld Follies years to then where you've got the where scenes kind of stand up comedy and the Catskill years kind of came through that. All of these different type of art forms somehow found their way through burlesque. There's a narrative there for that. So, you know, to see that within our own kind of microcosm of the Atlanta community, it makes sense that we all work together. We all have the same kind of roots and we all have the same 
love of performing. And if you're an audience member, I see it like if you if you enjoy what you see at a drag show, of course, you're going to enjoy what you see at a burlesque show. You know, it's all the same. It's not it's it's a different type of art form, but it all comes from the same space of performance. It's the same you know, a performer is up there giving of themselves to an audience. And if you're somebody who accepts that kind of personal offering from a artist, then I think that they would be receptive from that, from anybody. So. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely have like this ticket to the man. much like the original origins of, of burlesque and uh, you know, like how did Atlanta red state Atlanta grow such this amazing community of burlesque and drag and or mobile. So I know like from some of our roots, I mean, um, from Atlanta burlesque within itself, um, you've got Torchy Taboo. And I think Joe Wielden, who was up in New York, who performed with um, Dita Vontese. But like there were already people here and I would say like the late 90s, early 2000s who were doing neo-burlesque, which was a revival. And, uh, you know, I didn't really find the burlesque scene until I, I'd say about like 2008. So it had already been, a, it had already been revived maybe for like 10 or 15 years, but really more on like the creative loafing subculture. But it was in the clubs. If you, I, um, there are the, uh, the old underground clubs of Atlanta that that were happening where they would have you know either fetish nights or burlesque nights and um and that's you know goth nights and so that's where really kind of the underbelly of the scene created and then there were of course troops and groups that formed throughout you know throughout those um throughout that era and a lot of those performers are still with us today who are still performing and so um that's kind of you know within that within the subculture of Atlanta it kind of started there um and RuPaul I believe was from Athens used to come you know in the late 80s would come to um the early 90s would come to Atlanta to perform and so that also brought drag here we had Backstreet who had drag and there was always I mean I moved to Atlanta in 1998 and one of the first things I remember going to was Backstreet <laughs> so and they had the drag show on the on the third floor every night at midnight so that was you know I think that it's always been here um and it's just as the years have gone by and I think things have become more progressive and also people more interested I think art and being able to be a performer as social media grows and this is kind of I guess where we can talk about Facebook and Instagram um it makes it easier to be a performer you don't have to find a stage to to perform on you have your phone or your computer and you have the ability to reach the masses on your own, you know, so it doesn't have to be the, the situation where I'm a performer. I must find a stage. It can be, I'm a performer. I have my platform on social media and that's who I'm, that's who my audience is. You can kind of carry your audience with you wherever you go in a sense. When did you decide you were going to do this? 
So I've always loved performing. Um, it was just something that wasn't in my, um, you know, it was just nothing that I was ever really encouraged to do. It was always, Shelly, you're going to be a lawyer. Shelly, you're going to be a kindergarten teacher. But, you know, from like itty bitty little me, I wanted to be on stage and do something. It wasn't until I found a place called Relapse Theater in 2005 where I started doing improv. And it was from there my whole creative world opened up. I did improv at Relapse for about 10 years. I like to joke and say that I spent my 30s in the basement. Um, But it was so much fun. And it was at Relapse where I really learned about all these different creative communities that were in Atlanta. And that's where I met the two, um, the two women who introduced me to the burlesque community. And that is Tallulah Love and Catherine Lash. And I, I had grown up around vintage, um, I guess you could say like vintage things. My parents were antique dealers. So I was always going to the flea market. Um, and this was in the eighties. So imagery like of like, um, Betty Page and, you know, the, the, uh, the screen sirens of like the 1940s and 50s. They were always in my, um, you know, in my world because my parents were antique dealers. And I always loved the 1950s, 60s aesthetic. But I didn't realize that it was really an art form to pursue until I met Tallulah and Catherine. And so from there, it was just I knew that I loved burlesque. I knew that, you know, from the theatrical piece of it, the dressing up, the being on stage, I didn't know where my place in it would be until I realized and I met my first um, co-producer, Callan Willie, who owned uh, Pinup Girl Cosmetics at the time, um, that, you know, I I started off as a, um, a producer and an MC. And so for me, the fun was getting to be the cheerleader on stage putting together the show. When you first started to do this, like your first show, how'd it go? How was it? Were you scared? Were you happy? Were you like, what am I doing? Oh, I was elated. So the very, very first burlesque show. And I mean, it's, I can you know, cause I had a couple, I guess you could say I had a couple very different firsts. Um, when it came to burlesque, the very first show that I did was actually in 2008 and it was a um, it was a collaboration show with Tallulah and Catherine at Relapse Theater. And that's kind of where I went on stage as a character. Uh, and I did a dance routine with a friend of mine who was in my improv troupe um, as kind of like um, a lady, um, an Amy Winehouse routine to rehab. And it was just really fun. But um and it was it was more dancey than anything else. And um, I felt safe because I had a friend on stage with me and it was very prop filled. Um, and so it wasn't until I would say two years later when um, Kellen and I did our first show um, at and it at the time it was I can't remember what it's called now uh, what it was first called I think maybe it was Solstice or Cafe Solstice but it's called Ziva or Ziva's Bar it was over off of um, Boulevard but we had our first Manette Menifique show and it just sold out I mean it was massive it was just this tiny little bar that probably had about 200 people in it and it was amazing and I was 
you know, I had all the butterflies in my stomach, but it was like the best kind of butterflies because everybody was just so on point and just so excited to be there. And I just loved the feeling of, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is the art form that I love to do. What is your goal? I I mean, my goal is ever changing, I guess, because I feel like as I reach new, as I reach new goals and I I hit them, there's always something more that I want to do. So for a long time, my goal was just, I wanted to have a sustaining group. And I did Um, my, my latest project that we we retired this past December was um, it was Roxy Ross burlesque collective. And our goal was really to be collaborative with as many groups as possible in as many different types of art forms so my co-producers, um, Royalty and Emily Rose, um, the three of us, we worked with everybody from the Atlantic Contemporary to um, Laughing Skull Lounge to um, oh, just just all over Atlanta. We had a residency at Relapse Theater and um, we had done shows at Star Bar. I mean, anywhere and everywhere we could be, we did nonprofit work. Um, we, you know, it was our goal just to be able to be collaborative. We worked with almost every single other burlesque group in Atlanta. So that was a big goal of ours. And we also did side projects too. Um, one of the things that I was really passionate about going back to film was working with a film festival. And so last November, um, I produced and curated a burlesque and short film showcase for the Philadelphia Jewish um, Film and Media Festival. And so it was it was really cool. I got to curate seven or eight different um, short mm-hmm. films as well as some comedic. Um, you know, vignettes and then some burlesque performances as well. And it was, it was great. You know, that was a a way that we were able to work with a film festival. We also collaborated internationally with the, um, Oh, with the burlesque festival in Toronto. And that was all virtual. So it was, you know, so it was really cool to kind of stretch our muscles and see how we could collaborate in different innovative ways we could collaborate um, one of the goals that I also had was, and it's always an ongoing goal, is really uplifting people who are over 40. And so in my quest that I call Older and Bolder, um, I've been interviewing pinup models and burlesque performers who are over 40 and doing this all over, Insta- you know, all through Instagram um, and IG Live interviews and just, you know, spending about um, anywhere, excuse me, between 15 to, to 20 minutes with, with different people from all over the globe, asking them about how they got started in burlesque, a little bit about their, you know, or pin up a little bit about their journey. And then any wise words of wisdom that they have, um, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm 47 right now. I turned 48 in November, but I still feel in my heart, I'm like, you know, I, I have the spirit of like when I am and when I was 16, 17, I love, you know, dancing in my living room with my dog and having fun. And, you know, like the world is still open. There's still so much to do. And that just because you turn 40 doesn't mean things stop. To me, turning 40 is like you now have the freedom to really, you know, you've got all this life experience on your side. Now's the time to, you know, to embrace it and do more. So, I mean, I guess looking towards what my 
future goals are I definitely am looking towards doing some more immersive events. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that. And I really want to do some things that are much more um, deeper in an artistic nature. Right. You know, really do things that can connect artists to the community and in some profound ways through really fun and different type of narratives. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the older and bolder. That's different. How did you get there? Um, you know, I was really, I feel like I was in general a late bloomer in life on a lot of things. Just, you know, like I didn't really hit my stride, even like feeling in my confidence in my way that I dealt with relationships um, until my mid thirties. Like I, you know, like I look back at pictures of me in my twenties and maybe it was just because I hadn't, you know, I had some great friends and I, and I loved, you know, I, 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 you know, love my time, but like I, I hadn't found what I would love to do. You know, I didn't find relapse theater until I was 31, 32. And so, you know, I was trying to, make things fit for me where maybe they just didn't. And I, you know, it was finally in my thirties where I started taking those different risks. And so by the time I turned 40, you know, I was, um, I was engaged. I was, um, you know, I was, I was finding like myself creatively, you know, my early (laughs) forties married, divorced, but like found my strength. And then had a couple health issues, got, you know, I had, um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis after 30 years of not knowing why I was sick, had a hysterectomy, like all these things that were like, should have um, kept me down. were just like, oh, wow, all these obstacles are now being lifted. And so now I'm like, you know, in my late 40s, and I feel like better than I ever have, aside from this cold that I have right now. But um it's, you know, it just feels like I finally feel like I'm at home in my own skin and I'm sure that I'm not the only one. Because for you, it sounds like you were released from sort of a prison, you know, it's like you were like stuck in this thing, this morass in your 20s and your 30s, and then you were kind of released. And, and you know, like I, I was watching your interview with Ula Vance a lot, who you know struggled with anxiety for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden she's wearing a glittery bow and red hair and doing you know all kinds of you know fun burlesque cabaret things, and you know and and then also um, I think it was Deanna DeBlooms, um, you know she was talking about how it released her. So like what what is it about cabaret and burlesque? that releases people from, you know, from heavy weights that, you know, that affect the other aspects of their lives, but yet they can go, you know, take off their clothes in front of people or, you know, sing a song out of tune and that somehow releases them. I mean, what, what, what's up with that? Well, I think it's that, you know, so, and, and everybody approaches burlesque differently in 
you know, what they, you know, how they want to present themselves as a performer. So I think that, you know, not every performer peels or strips, not every performer, you know, is all about the hair and the makeup and the glitter and things like that. And it's funny, the past couple shows I've done, I, you know, I'll do my hair, but I hate putting on makeup. Not that I hate putting on makeup, but it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, it's not my favorite thing to do. So I'll go on on stage with like my hair done, but no makeup. And I'm still comfortable. I think what it does is being able to put on, regardless of like the glitter, the feathers, whatever. I think the ability to be able to put on a persona on stage for people is that freeing part for themselves, you know, like, and, and it's funny too, because at one point I did have a moniker where I was Baroness von Schmalhausen. I dropped that as well because I'm Shelly, whether I'm on stage or off stage, like that's just who I am. I don't need another moniker aside who I am. Um, but I think for, for some people, it's just being able to, to kind of put on, you know, put on the name as they're putting on like a pair of gloves and being able to step on stage. And it just, it just helps them be that personality that they are that helps elevate themselves to be, you know, to, to get them ready to create. And, you know, I think that because burlesque is so non-judgmental and is so accepting and there's so much love and body positivity and, you know, with, within all these um, art forms from burlesque and cabaret and drag, um, you can, you know, there's so much gender and gender nonconformity. Um, there's so much, you know, love for, for just everybody, um, you know, it's a place where everybody's accepted that in, in all different types of, of art forms as well. Like burlesque, even though it's, it's the dance, there's all different type of forms of burlesque. You've got classical, you've got neo, you've got nerd last. So there's not just one type of burlesque performer and genre that that falls into. Um, so being able to have a name, or some garments that you put on that make you feel ready to perform is um, that's freeing for some people where in their daily life, they may, you know, they just may not feel, it makes them just feel extra special. Yeah. When I did uh, improv about 10 years ago, like our, our, our graduating show, they would come back and, you know, and they'd just be so generous and encouraging. And it's like, and I came from this really competitive scientific business world where it was dog eat dog. And like, I was like, what's up with all these people being nice to me? Cause I was like, I, I didn't understand why they would do that. And, um, and so he's like, I, so I, I'm listening to you talk about that. And I've just, fi I find myself missing that, that sense of camaraderie and, and, and support and non-judgmentalism. And I'm thinking about, you know, you know, your role with Georgia. Georgia and this community that you've built, is there a way, do you see a way for that community to turn it into something you know, more tangible, like a reality show or more stories that are around burlesque? Or is this something that's just going to stay underground and personal and inside of the community as opposed to spreading it with the world? I mean, I can, I can tell you, I probably can 
can name 15 people off the top of my head who would love to be in a burlesque reality show. <laughs> we just need to find the person to, to um, you know, produce it and the showrunner to put it together and the funds for it. But I think I, you know, I, I think the community would love, absolutely love to, um, you know, have a greater spotlight on a burlesque on a nat, you know, on a national forum. I think that there are, you know, I've seen throughout the years, um, I come from the film festival space as well. I worked for the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival for um, almost 10 years before moving to where I am now with a company called Stage 32. But um, there's definitely been a rise of burlesque documentaries that have gone out, you know, kind of showing and peeling back the behind the scenes of what what life is like for a burlesque performer. I think all of these opportunities are, you know, available and that people would love to, you know, love to have burlesque seen on a more global forum for sure. I think that... I think that, yeah, that definitely. So and because see. there's so many talent, I mean, we have so many talented people here that are, you know, making their professional lives out of burlesque. And, you know, and it's not just one hustle that they do. It's not just being on stage. It's people who are um, costumers, people who work in all different facets of the entertainment industry, people who are teachers, um, people who are, um, you know, um, on the on the video side, and and it's it's amazing to see just how talented everybody is within our community. Reality show like that that would be just like I think that would be amazing. And oh, absolutely, definitely, I'd love to see something like that. Shelley, <laughs> what? What? How are the people at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival looking at this? Are they like, this is a great side hustle for you? Do they support you? Oh yeah, no, I had, I had was, I mean, I, yeah, I, I had full support while I was there because I was, you know, um, it was very helpful for a lot of the creative stuff that we did. Um, you know, I was a conduit for for most of the creative um, connections that we made when it came to looking for performers or, th- or things like that. So that all came from my burlesque background. I wanted to tell you that today I uh, was getting my hair cut and my hairdresser is a beautiful trans woman. And I told her about you and she knew who you were. And she knew about your show, your most recent show. Oh, how fun. Right. And I was like, okay, but I wanted to, I wanted to see if you could give us a snapshot of your most recent show. Oh, wow. Of course. Yeah. So um, I can't believe it was almost a month ago, but um, on June 17th, I had a show called um, Older and Boulder or Middle Age Cabaret, Older and Boulder Burlesque. That was at the Red Light Cafe, and it was amazing. It was a sold-out show. Um, it featured all performers who were over the age of 40. We had burlesque performers from, um, you know, all different parts of the U.S., um, including Bunny B, who is the reigning um, board chair of the Burlesque Hall of Fame, um, came to 
um, came to be in our show. Her daughter lives here in Atlanta. So we were just so lucky to have her. And we also had different um, comedians as well. So um, we had four different comedians from Atlanta who did stand-up comedy. Um, and, you know, we ran the gamut of, you know, puppetry and, and um, musical improv, stand-up comedy. And it was an extremely diverse um you know, a diverse cast as well between neurodivergent, um, BIPOC and um, LGBTQI plus um, performers. And so it was, you know, it was just a beautiful evening. It was a sold out show and we were sponsored by um, Sweet um, Sweetwater 420 Beer Brewery. So they were very generous. And yeah, it was just, it was just a fantastic evening. Um, you know, and I was very much supported by my friend Diana uh, DeBloons, who's a co-producer, and then also my millennial Hellcats, or my uh, former producers um, with Roxy Raz, um, Royalty, and Emily Rose. And it it was just an amazing, amazing show. And, you know, every, every act was so different and so memorable. I think that it was just enjoyable. And that's what I love, too, especially about shows. Like for me, it's very important that when I pull together a show, I don't want it to always be just burlesque. I like to have different um, components of creativity in there. So it feels like you're just, you know, it's just not, um, there's variety, you know, obviously variety show, but there's variety for the audience to enjoy. And for some people, if that's the only artistic thing they go to for the year, then they're getting their money's worth. You know, because you have to remember for some people, that might be the first and only time they get to go to a burlesque show. So I want them to, you know, to really get a gauge of, of what it could be like. The show. Where can people in Atlanta go to engage with the burlesque community? Is there is there a spot where where you have these kinds of shows and when is your next show? So my next show will probably be, well, I'm in the, I'm in the midst of working on my next show. I can't really reveal too much right now, uh, but people can follow me on Von Schmalls. I can definitely say it will be in December um, and it will be amazing, but I can't really divulge too much right now, but I can tell you like some of the best places to see burlesque um, is red light cafe if you go to redlightcafe.com, it will have all the different um, the burlesque shows. I would say probably 85% of the burlesque shows that are happening now in Atlanta are coming out of, um, out of Red Light Cafe. There is, um, let's see, you can go to Sabbath Brewery. We've got a few producers, Coco Rose and Flux and Querier are producing out of Red Light Cafe. Seven Stages as well has uh, burlesque. Metropolitan Studios um, and the Candy Box Review are, are, are in East Atlanta and they have Burlesque City Winery. I think one of the major um, places that people should flock to see Burlesque and Drag is City Winery um, and Royalty is collaborating with Wussy Meg there and they are just bringing together a beautiful show and that's a beautiful stage to see the show on. Um, but I mean, Atlanta... There's a Facebook group called Burlesque Atlanta, and I encourage you to join that that Facebook group um, because that's where you'll find everybody posting about their shows. 
And then if you, you know, there's always hashtags. If you do burlesque Atlanta hashtag on um, Instagram as well, you'll see so many different profiles and shows pop up there too. That's great. And I think that this is a good thing to take us out on. Um, Shelly, we will be looking for more from you and we would love to have you back. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to come back, you know, closer to December where I can tell you all about the show that I'm going to do in December. Please do. That would be fantastic. I would love to. Okay. Thanks so much for being a guest, Shelly, today. Thank you so much for having me. 